welcome to Our Parents Did What? A Tour of the Parenting Perils of Yesteryear. I'm Diane Aragona. And I'm your co-host, Jen Tierney. Join us as we travel back in time to take a look at the sometimes unbelievable history of parenting. I don't know about you, but I want to hear some mom moments. I was out running some errands today with Joey, and I got a message from Joe on my phone. It's a video of Emma holding one of our two cats. And the cat looks like really unimpressed with the situation. Like really Uh-oh. like, I'm not super into this, but if I just stay really still, it'll eventually be over and I can get down. And Emma is holding her like a like a baby and like rocking her and singing a song. And the song, Diane, was... I'm holding my little pussy. I'm holding. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! So I like immediately send it to like all the moms I know. It's so funny, and the cat just looks like, "Oh my god, please put me down, kid!" And I was just like, "Oh no, 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 pussy, pussy, pussy!" And I was like, Stop. And Joe just like sends me the like facepalm emoji, and I was like. Yes, yes. But yeah, she just refers to the cats as pussies these days. Like that's just it. not just, pussy cat, just pussies. Just pussies. So she's like, Mommy, have you seen my pussy? <laughs> Stop how, it, do you, it. how do you not crack up? I would die every time. I'm a hard time. I'm like, Emma, can can you call them kitties? And she's just like, Why? It's the same thing. Like, they're pussies. Mm, they're pussies. Uh, okay. Uh it's yeah, so it's a uh, it's a thing at the moment um, that's causing great, like, great joy in my life. Well, not to, like, ride onto your mom moment, but there, there's a song that Rini really likes called Pussycat Pussycat by Lulu Kids. Mm. But when, when you ask Alexa to play that song, she bleeps pussy. So you say, Alexa, play Pussycat Pussycat by Lulu Kids, and she'll go, bleep, cat, bleep, cat. By Lulu Kids. That's <laughs> and, hilarious. And then they, they play the song like with no yeah. bleeping. Yes. But, but, but Alexa bleeps herself. I just think it's so funny. So what's hilarious is that like that song is innocent and pure. Yeah. But one of my kids' favorite songs to request on Alexa is called Up But Coconut. And it is about exactly what you think it's about. A coconut up your butt? Yeah. Up butt coconut. Up your butt with a coconut. Like that's the actual lyrics of the song. No. Yes. And that that's apparently fine. Well, <laughs> so yeah. What gives, Alexa? Come on, Alexa. <laughs> I think I'm really like I need to jump on the potty training thing because she's like, she's very she like she likes to sit on the potty mm-hmm. and and then she like pretends to pee and she wipes and then she flushes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Liam's at the same point. But she doesn't actually go. But her yeah. newest thing that she does is when we change her diaper, I don't know if this is normal, she demands to see the poop. Yes. She goes, mm-hmm. I want to see the poopy. I want to see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then she needs to look at it and she says, bye-bye poopy. And like, if we don't show her her poop, she just like loses her mind. <laughs> that's good. Developmentally, that's like a- Is it? Okay. I think so. I mean, all my kids did that. And so I was like, I feel like she's like getting the whole like, yeah, it leaves my body and I say goodbye to it. Adios, poop. Yeah. Right. 
So I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, we have to get on the potty training thing. Yeah, so she seems we'll ready. See. That's good. Oh, it's me who's not ready. It's okay. I understand. I understand completely. I'm just hoping that one day Liam's going to come home from school and be potty trained. And I'm just not going to Wouldn't that be anything. great? <laughs> I mean, he's got two older siblings, right? It's an inevitability. He's there every day. He's there more awake than he is here with That's me. That's true. Like, you know. Come on. I'm sure, I'm sure he's close. <laughs> <laughs> I think that children screaming and crying is like one of the things that almost all parents, specifically mothers throughout antiquity, have like contended with as a thing that they they really struggle with. Yes. And so it's no surprise that throughout history, there's been lots of different cure-alls that have come about to try to address the myriad reasons that children cry. And so as I looked into what have we done historically to, to help upset babies that like the first thing that comes up is opium. Great. Um, And (laughs) opium has been, has been around since. So the poppy plant (laughs) began being cultivated and used for children, for adults, for all sorts of things. 3000 BCE. So crazy. Like forever ago. Yeah, like it's so, so old. long ago. So it the term opium comes from the Greek word opus, which means juice. Mm. So not O P U S, O P O S, opus. Yeah, and so historically throughout like research and things, there's not a lot. This is the only article that I was able to find about opium use in infants. There's a ton about opium use in general. Oh yeah. But People today haven't done a lot of research into opium use in infants and children. However, if you look through historical texts, it's like it's everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. So, um, so this person did a great job. This is this is an article called "Lethal Lullabies: A History of Opium Use in Infants," and it's by Michael Obladen, Obladen, O B L A D E N, M D Ph D, and it's great. It's a great. Uh, what's the word? complete story of the history of opium it's not the word i'm looking for but it's close enough (laughs) so so essentially like the main problem that opium and many other drugs was trying to solve was just babies who cried because so as mammals as primate mammals as we are like all babies get carried and so mm. crying is actually a a physical response that all primates have if they get separated from their mother. Right. Physical separation causes crying. And so all primates have like this intonation of crying and like a pattern of crying that you can tell they're a primate and they've been physically separated from their Whoa. mother. So they've done all this research into like seeing how how cries change over time and how how they escalate and how they de-escalate. And so it's like, it's a real language that babies use to like get their moms to come. And any animal that has a cry, like a bleat or a whatever, their moms like instantly come. It's so triggering when you Um, hear an infant cry. Yeah, it's it's just like immediate. And the reason why they think that like from an evolutionary standpoint that crying is so effective is because mothers like in the animal kingdom, uh, mothers who don't go and immediately tend to their children their children die. And so the gene pool ends there for that, you know, line. Yeah. So mothers who respond to their babies, their genes go down and get passed on. So so crying is crazy. Um, And it makes mothers 
nuts. It <laughs> so, sure does. So <laughs> opium has been farmed and, you know, used in drafts and in or droughts. When you create like a drink. Drafts. Drafts. So I think. I think so. I think you're right. Who knows? For sure. <laughs> Someone knows. It's just not me. So <laughs> it's been used in different ways, like the different ways of like giving it to people for, you know, thousands and thousands of years. In the 16th century BC, well, I said, I said 3000. You did. Oh, you or, know what? They've been, sorry, they've been cultivated since prehistoric times. Oh, okay. But there was the creation of tablets as a use of narcotic drugs from as far ago as 3000 well, BC. that's crazy that yeah. they had tablets. So in, so in 16th century BC, there's mention of poppy derivatives being used in the Egyptian papyrus Ebers, Ebers, mm-hmm. um, which I guess is a famous papyrus that describes how you combine the poppy plant with wasp droppings oh. and and you give it for four days and this causes an infant's crying to cease immediately. Yeah, of course well, it does. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So like it's been used for a really long time. Did it cease and crying because it's, it's dead? I mean, not, but maybe. Oh um, my God. So... In the 5th century BC, there was a um, famous piece of literature created called mm. the Corpus Hippocratium. Hippocraticum. Sure. So. <laughs> that's my thing today. Yes. So, yes. I, I I wonder if that's where, like, the Hippocratic Oath yeah, comes from. Yeah, I was wondering so that. Maybe that's where that comes from. But it declared neonatal sleeplessness and dentition as diseases. So like teething. Oh. So as soon as they were labeled as diseases, it was like, okay, well, we got to find a cure. Yeah. Oh. So in, in comes like, oh, well, we can obviously use opium for this and poppy right. seeds. I have, there are a lot of quotes in here. So this is going to be a quote heavy, yes. you know, thing. So, um, so there's a, from 11th century CE, uh, this treatment was, was given it says for incessant crying it is necessary to make the baby sleep if possible by giving a potion of white poppy yellow poppy fennel seed aniseed if it is desired to make it still stronger one should add an amount of opium equal to a third part of it or less it's huh! so, like that's a lot of opium like opium's strong yeah um as time went on you like the usual dosage would be like one to two drops of opium but this was like a third yeah, it's like geez. it was like too much. So physicians were sort of like back and forth on whether or not opium was okay to use. A lot of them would say for sleeplessness or for dentition, it's totally fine to use. And here are the amounts at which you should use them. Obviously, there were a whole host of medicines that came out. Yeah. There were soothers and syrups and cordials and all kinds of stuff that were were sold and, you know, by druggists and by, you know, whoever. And also it was easy enough to get that there were all of these little like home remedies. And yeah. Stuff. So people were just like, you know, using it all over the place. And so infant doping made its way into <laughs> early medical treatises. So that like. <laughs> oh my God. It's like an actual. Literally you know, that's the term. Yeah. Infant doping. So. <laughs> and it was considered. Opiates were considered a cure-all. They use them for lots of different reasons. Um, there's a list here of all the different, not all of them, but many different printed examples of using opium or, or poppy extracts in different medical texts. So it the texts range from 1472 up to 1740 on this list. 
and it's recommended to be used for sleeplessness, teething, uh, loose stool, diarrhea, colic, um, seizures, short breath. Seizures? Yep. Belches, jaundice. Um, oh so like anything, everything that, like, that affects oh, you, a baby, yeah, just because it would make them sad or miserable or whatever. So you give them opium, right? So like anything that produced crying in babies, they were like, oh, just give it some of this, you know. And so, so the it was a lot of like cordials and syrups and waters and tinctures and stuff like that, and you you know mix it all together, and give it to your baby. All right, so here's a quote from George Armstrong, who founded the London Dispensary in 1769. He was more cautious about the use of opiates in in, in children. He said, some infants are more wakeful in the night than in the day, which is hurtful to themselves and irksome to those about them. And therefore, they ought to be broke of it as soon as possible. As to opiates, in this case, I reckon them very pernicious, though I am afraid some careless nurses use too much freedom with them by giving them to children in the days as well as the night in order to keep them quiet and prevent them disturbing their business. (laughs) Oh my god. <laughs> so, so it was like understood that people were using it if it wasn't your kid. Right. You just and you needed to get stuff done, you'd just use it, you know, however, because you're just like, I just need to get my work done. Disturbing my business. And you need kid. to yep. So infant soothers, which often included opium, yes. were one of the first proprietary drugs ever produced. Whew. So like it was that big of a deal. Like infant crying was that upsetting to people that one of the very first official drugs we made to sell was to deal with baby crying (laughs) so so then the next part of this was really like specifically interesting to me because he talks about the different like reasons why people used opium in children so there's the dentition which we talked about there's Mm -hmm. crying then there was also for breastfeeding and weaning the way that breastfeeding worked way back in like you know the 16 and 1700s or earlier than that too is that they'd want to wean babies fast. Like, it wasn't a slow process. It was, like, cold turkey. So what they would do is they would, like, cover the mom's nipples in, like, bitter, horrible-tasting stuff that would make the baby feel sick. And so the way that you would then wean them away is you'd put opium into like their milk or whatever and be like here have this that is terrible so you're just getting the baby hooked on like yeah so you'd break them from the breast by giving making the breast as like repulsive as possible and then you'd give them this delicious wonderful concoction that you know had opium in it and made them like docile and happy as a clam and so that's how they weaned babies and i was like good lord so there's a quote here that so this man insisted in 1612, you must make him loathe the breast. <laughs> <laughs> L- rubbing the top of the nipple with mustard or aloe. <laughs> oh, no. Jesus. So, and then when we get into like industrialization, you have moms going back to work in factories. Yeah. And so they really had to like get the baby mm-hmm. weaned so they could give the baby to an older child to watch during the day. So it was like, <laughs> all right, seven year old. Yeah. Here, here's the baby's opium draft. <laughs> here's I I've made it. So they don't want my boobs. Give him this bottle of milk and he'll chill he'll out. Um, down. But they found that they were relying on opium so much for all of these different things for, you know, for, colic for cholera for diarrhea for weaning for all this stuff and they were being treated with opium and when they look back historically they believe that babies who on their death certificates died of 
cholera, colic, oh, no. diarrhea. It was probably the It was op- the opium. Oh, my God. That's they just so overdosed sad. and died. So, yeah. <laughs> so now we can talk very uh, a little bit about um, dentition a little bit more, which is uh, – so dentitio difficult, difficilis, also known as cutting the teeth. Huh. Are you familiar with this practice? No. This? It sounds bad. It's really awful. Get ready. Cutting so, the teeth? So th- – <laughs> This isn't like when a kid like cuts teeth where like the teeth. Come yeah, through. we say cutting yeah. teeth now, like to mean like the teeth are this breaking through. So let's let's talk about this a little bit. Oh, so no. so teething is painful. Yeah. Um. Historically, there were lots of different ways that people dealt with teething. They, oftentimes, a child would have like a little um a little like sack. And you'd put something in it for them to chew on. Sometimes it had opium in it and they'd chew on it and that would like calm them down and and make it a little bit easier for the teeth situation. But there were all kinds of weird home remedies for like treating the teeth or the gums while the babies were dealing with like it being so painful Um, because they didn't have like ice. They didn't have access to things that would like me. So opium and and things that would sort of like anesthetize or just like lull you out would help. But they also, and I need to do a little bit more research into this because it's fascinating and weird and I need to understand it. But for years, like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, they would rub hairbrain on gums. What's hairbrain? Like rabbit brains. <gasps> like brain of a rabbit and rub it on your gums. I don't know what, I don't know if that was just like, just purely like, uh, this is what we oh, have around. This is, this is what this we think this works. Like they used to have kids wear wolves' teeth around their necks. Yes. Like oh, this will help. You know. So I don't know if it was like a superstition thing, or if there was any sort of like actual value that came oh. out of rubbing rabbit brains on gums. I have to imagine, like, unless you did it immediately after killing the rabbit, like, that it wasn't terribly hygienic and that you could no. get sick from that. Well, I think even if you... D- oh, God. I know, rubbing just, oh. brain matter on a child's gums. So, yeah. Uh, so, that's interesting. Um, <laughs> so, then I was so excited when I got to this part because I am a big... I'm a big fan of uh, Sawbones, which is a great podcast. And in almost every episode that goes back far enough, you hear a, something, some involvement of Pliny the Elder. Oh, okay. So I was so glad to see Pliny oh, the yay. Elder show up in this article. He didn't really have anything to do with opium, although I'm sure he I'm prescribed sure. opium at times. He recommended in the first century CE scarifying the gums for toothache. So I guess, like, if you scarred them, that that would then, like, change the pain Make it different in some way? Hurt in a different different way? I don't know. But like that was his, he was like, oh yeah, do this. So that is like, like, oh, I like have a stomach ache. I'm going to slap you in the face. Punch you in the stomach. And then you won't feel a stomach ache. It'll be okay. What? So I don't know. I have to do a little bit more research into that. This could be a whole episode. What this then moved into, and I don't know if this originated with Pliny, Pliny or if there were other people who did this before him. But this turned into what some surgeons referred to as as liberating teeth from their prison. So this is the practice of lancing the gums. <gasps> you would basically, anytime you saw teeth trying to come out, you would go see a surgeon, if you could afford it, and they would lance your gums. And then they would use opium to, you know, orally anesthetize, like just provide you with some relief from the fact that they just like, cut open your gum and that would then let the tooth come through however this was like 
incredibly dangerous for so many reasons because oh we didn't God. have we didn't have like we didn't have ways to clean instruments. A lot of times you couldn't afford going to a surgeon and Hand your baby's wasn't like a thing yeah. then. And your baby's got so many teeth and are like cutting teeth all the time. And so you'd just go see like the local old lady who just have like it what did they say here? Let me advise you not to depend upon old women to do it with crooked sixpence. <gasps> oh, oh like they just mm. so yeah, so it was just you teething was such this like horrible thing because it produced crying and screaming, but not from an infant, from a child, yeah. and that's even worse. That's like unacceptable. And so it was just like we need to shut these kids up. So it was like cut open their gums so the teeth can get out faster. Give them some opium to shut them up. There's no way that actually made the teeth come out faster, though. I don't know. I I, I doubt <laughs> it. I but it said that above a tenth part of infants die in teething. Okay, but it's not teething. It's 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 like probably infections. Or, so it's from... not from the teething, but it's infections or it's the opium yeah. overdose or just like during the teething phase. 10, 10% of infants That's a are lot die. of babies. That's so many kids. So, I mean, and we know, we know that so many kids died. It was so oh. unusual that if you had six children, they would all make it yeah. to be adults. But like when you think about the remarkably dumb things people were doing just, you know, to oh, like God. live their lives. Of course, the, uh, so many kids died. Like, you, it, we didn't have hand washing. We didn't have oh, safety. Basic, like, hygiene <laughs> and safety like practices. So, like, these simple things, you know, and now we understand when your baby's teething, you just, the only cure for teething is the teeth coming out. Yeah, you just have to And you wait just have to wait. Out. And it's just, oh, and it so, sucks. I don't know. It's crazy. So... As we've talked about previously, we talked about wet nurses in a previous episode. Yes. I think you did that episode, I think right? I did, yeah. yeah. So wet nurses, so basically like you'd, you would be a person who either was very wealthy or was not wealthy at all, and you'd send your baby off to go be with a wet nurse. Or you had a whole bunch of babies who didn't have homes and they'd have to go live in a foundling home yeah. or, or wherever. And so opiates were this incredibly important part of the wet nursing and foundling home industry because they were like the only way that women could like yeah. possibly do what they were trying to do although most of them were like <laughs> just like bad like a lot oh. of wet nurses were bad a lot of foundling homes were bad it was just like send your kid off and maybe you'd get them back yeah um, well I, I think maybe it was in the episode that we did where we said like a lot of like wet nurses like they like wouldn't be producing enough, or like they would mm-hmm. like just have too many babies, yeah. or whatever. So they take so like they sawdust would just, like, and water. Yeah, sawdust yeah. and water. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So there's a quote here from William Buchan um, of Edinburgh, and he he wrote in 1788, an indolent nurse who does not give a child sufficient exercise in the open air to make it sleep will seldom fail to procure for it a dose of laudanum, diacodium, saffron. Or what answers the same purpose, a dram of spirits or other strong liquors? I never knew a good nurse who had her Godfrey's cordials, Daffy's elixirs, etc. at hand. So he's basically saying, like, if you're a good nurse and you take care of the kids, you don't need these things. And that's probably true. Yeah. Um, So it was, so as I said, it was used extensively in foundling asylums. Nurses gave sleeping drafts to infants and then they would just not wake up again like they just give it to them like they would just go to sleep 
we talked about this in the infant exposure episode. Like, I do think people just viewed infant death differently. Yeah, it was. It was just, so common. It was just like, well, yep, that's why we one. had nine of them. Yeah, like, ugh. So the whole issue with foundling homes was made like remarkably worse, specifically in France in uh, 1811, because Napoleon. He made a decree that, like, multiplied, like, vastly multiplied the number of foundling homes that existed in the country. And they were admitting upwards of 30,000 infants a year. Oh, my God. Um, and so there just wasn't – there weren't enough people to take care of that many babies. No. Especially when there, there was no way to, like, handle certain illnesses or discomforts in those babies. Like, they were just like, yeah. give them opium. It's fine. And so there was a big – article there was a big like push in a couple different publications the new york times and harper's weekly both covered this as a topic on on infants that died from opium intoxication and starvation and there are these two famous cartoons this is a baby this this one's called opium the poor child's nurse and there's a bottle of opium and then the baby sleeping in the bassinet Mm. and then there's this picture which is a picture of mary cullo she was a baby farmer Oh um, my god. And so baby farming was really was really common. She's one of the more famous ones. She would basically take in all of these babies as like a wet nurse or, you know, whatever. And the amount of money that people could actually pay for their babies to be taken by a wet nurse was so low that oftentimes a woman like Mary would take in like eight or nine of them at once, give them all a bunch of opium, they'd die, and she'd keep the money. <gasps> So, yeah, there's a there's another famous woman, I forget her name now, but she's considered a serial killer because she would just take babies and kill them with opium. And Oh my god. Yeah, so like Yeah. So if we knew that opium was bad. Yeah. Yes, yes. Definitely did. So like we knew. It was also used like privately, so like just just people in their homes, not just by doctors, not just by by wet nurses or whatever. People just in their homes, it became this very common pharmaceutical. People would just go to the drugstore. So it was used for and- ailments, not just like Let's have some fun. Yeah, it was just like people would go down. Yeah, it wasn't. It, it there were certainly people who used it for like you know to go and chill right. out, like um in Edwin Drood. Ah, um, yes. There's a lot of opium in that. There's an opium den in yep. that. But but technically, yeah, it was really like people were using it as just they'd go and get their weekly like supply of laudanum or opium from the drugstore yes. and then come home, and there were there were nurses who would go on like Saturdays to like get their liter of opium drink or whatever for the week, you know? And they like, so uh, it was just, it was a a thing. So the other thing that is interesting about opium, like, like cocaine or like other drugs, you have some of it and like you become addicted to it and you need more of it. But the problem with opium as opposed to some other things is that because of the way that a tincture or a cordial or anything like that is made and because of the way that those solutions actually like exist. If you had a bottle of it, if you didn't like shake it thoroughly before using it, it would all like settle to the bottom, right? Oh. And so like the opium, the, the actual like hard stuff would be at the bottom and you'd pour it out and you'd give it to your baby and they wouldn't respond to it. Mm. So you'd give them two or three drops and they wouldn't respond and you'd give them four or five and they wouldn't respond. And then like you get closer and closer to the bottom of the bottle oh. And you give them, like, eight drops, but now it's, like, highly concentrated, and that's when babies would die. Oh. Because, like, you just give them what you thought the correct dosage was for your kid, but it turns out that the bottle just wasn't, like... Oh, my God. So, it's just that kind of stuff that people didn't know, and, they, you know... So, it says... Um, so, this is John Cook, 
uh, reported a personal tragedy in 1769. Opiates with infants ought to be used with the utmost caution. I lost a son above a year old who was killed instantly only with eight drops of liquid laudanum when two drops are sufficient for a babe. So it's sort of like, you know, Hmm. they just... Just gave him too much. Yeah. Um, so there's a fun table here. I say fun. It's not very fun. But this is a list of many of the drugs that were sold, their names, what years they were sold oh. during, where they were sold. So yeah, here's an ad for Mrs. Winslow's oh, wow. Soothing Syrup. Um, Mrs. Winslow's Soothing Syrup for Children Teething. <laughs> um, and so there's all these different things. There's James Darby's Carminative. <laughs> which was an opium tincture. So each one of these, it says how much, approximately how much opium was included in each one. So Dover's powder, uh, which was a combination of Ipecac, opium, saltpeter, and tartar, vitriolated, Mm -hmm. had 10% opium. And, you know, so so there were certain ones that were just much higher. And like laudanum sedenum, which was available in pharmacies and local stores, uh, was opium, wine, saffron, cinnamon, and clover. And it was between 3 and 10%. So where you had this, like, range, it was like, well, right, probably where you, you know? were in the bottle. Yeah, <laughs> so so it was just it was just being used, like, however people felt they needed to. Obviously, like, opium trade was huge business. It was, it was giant. And I think that we see that now with the drugs that are popular today, like, just how we... They're, yeah. they're just big business. So the other thing that I think is important to to say is that oftentimes opium was used with every good intention of like i want to make my baby more comfortable or i want i want my baby to sleep because i need to get up and work tomorrow or whatever you know it was used because they were they weren't trying to kill their babies no however we should also note that it was certainly used as an infanticide tool, like mm-hmm. for sure. And it was probably one of the ways that people felt was the most humane yeah. because you'd give it to them and they'd just go to sleep and they just wouldn't wake up as opposed to like drowning them or yeah. like whatever. <sighs> there were way worse ways to, you know, like kill a child. And infanticide was such a like big part of society, mm-hmm. you know, hundreds and thousands of years ago. So, so yeah, opium just... Just sucks. Oh, Jen, thanks for the upper of an episode. <laughs> it's not an upper, though, unlike cocaine. Right, right, right. I gave you the upper. And then you brought us down. down way down. Way down. <laughs> it's true. So, um, so yeah, I think uh, that's that's all there is to say about opium. Hmm. Um, I'm sure there's actually a lot more. Yes. Um, there's a lot more history there. And I think that, like, this gave us a really cool little insight into teething opium use in teething and opium use in uh crying in general and i think that each of those topics actually deserves its own you know like deep dive because like teething we haven't covered yet really um and there's there's a lot there there were a lot of things other than opium that was used in in Mm -hmm. combating teething and you know like i just but i when i got to the lancing the gums i was just like oh my god like how is that ever something that people went oh yeah i'll just take this rusty old thing and i'll just stick it in my kids so yeah i'm glad we're better i'm glad we're better now i know i just feel so grateful that i'm alive now (laughs) yes yes and and even like like procedures that have to be done on babies now Mm -hmm. like at least you know it's not like a rusty yeah six pence or you know like God. <laughs> it's actually a hopefully safe and clean and yeah oh yes yeah but this is why we need like anytime there is a medical procedure that should be done by a doctor 
and we want to make it more challenging and difficult for people to access it. Right. Like, you put them in danger. Yes, you do. Because people are going to... People are going to do what they got to do. Uh-huh. They're going to go see that old lady <coughs> with the sixpence. It's still going to happen. You know? It's so not like, be safe. Yeah. So support safe doctoring, please. <laughs> safe doctoring. <laughs> well, on that note. <laughs> yeah. We have to go upstairs and cook and eat yeah. and, you know, have like a slightly less gruesome time uh, with alcohol. <laughs> yes. I'm going to have a glass of wine Yay. when we go upstairs. It's time. It's almost four o'clock. It's nine o'clock. Perfect. <laughs> So you can find us online in many places. We are on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we are always at OPDW Podcast. You can send us email at opdwpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to give us a review on whatever podcast listening platform you use, we're always thrilled to get those. They really help people find the show and they just fill our hearts with so much love. Yes, and our music is by Theo Rosenberg, so thank you, Theo. Thank you, Theo. Okay, Jen, until next time. I said it before, and I'll say it again. Support safe doctoring.